getting closer to Christmas. Joy seems to surround us in many ways. If there, there's joy in our Christmas carols, there's joy in our Christmas decorations and the cards that we send, and joy feels pretty natural this time of year. So it's easy to hear a scripture like Philippians that Mike read for us today and agree. You hear these words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Pretty easy to see why this scripture that the church reads on the third Sunday of Advent is read everywhere in churches all around. Who doesn't like to hear about joy at this time of year? We light our candles and we boldly proclaim our joy in our words, in our songs, in our prayers. Christmas is almost here, and we are all joyful. What about the times when joy feels like it's just out of reach? What do we say then? The third Sunday of Advent is always linked to this question for me, and let me tell you why. You and I are bombarded every day with statements from political leaders who say that they long to be public servants, but they spend precious little time talking about how they're going to serve the public, and they spend more of their time expressing anger at the other people across the aisle. Partisanship usurps their patriotism. And then you turn the page of the news to the next page, and what do you find? Threats of violence and fear about ISIS or Al-Qaeda or North Korea. You find refugees who are seeking asylum from the terrors of their own nation. In our own country, there are frightening gaps between blacks and whites and Latinos, between minorities and law enforcement. There are gaps between the straight community and the LGBTQ community, between the haves and the have-nots. We see widespread abuse of vulnerable people, both the very young and the very old. Today, I'm grieving for a friend who's been hospitalized due to emotional instability. Today, you might be grieving the loss of a loved one. The days are shorter, the nights are longer, and depression can rear its ugly head. I think that in the church, sometimes we don't always do a very good job of acknowledging the realities of our world. We talk about hope and peace and joy and love. But do we also talk about the hard things that are happening in our world? Things like violence and tragedy, refugee crisis, things that are beyond our understanding? So often we don't. We tend to gloss over those things and focus instead on the brighter and the happier stories. And then we wonder why people don't always feel welcome in the church. Because if we're not acknowledging their pain and the suffering in our world, and we're just, instead we just tell them to be joyful, how is anyone going to be able to share their story with us? How can they talk about when they're grieving? How can they talk about when they are depressed? How can they talk about losing their job and then scrambling to make ends meet? To deny what's happening in our world is not a Christian response. It's actually the opposite of a Christian response, in fact, because Christ never told us not to tell the truth about life. Christ never told us to only be happy or only be carefree and bright all the time. In 
stay near to those who are suffering. We know that hard things happen, and that sometimes it feels like there's no room for that in our Christmas season. Some years, the holidays are just plain hard. We understand, and we make room for that. But whatever you're going through in life, I want you to know you are welcome in church. Whatever, and you are welcome to carry those things that are hard and difficult right into this sanctuary, in this space. Because if you can't bring them here, where else will you bring them? Now at the same time, the church also has an obligation. And it's not just to acknowledge that things are hard and that there's brokenness in our world, which we must do. But the church's responsibility is to also take that one step forward and proclaim that it doesn't have to stay that way. There is another way. And in Advent, we point to the fact and we point with hope to the future and to the way of Christ coming into this world. When Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians, he understood the kind of world that I have just described for you. Paul knew that his friends in Philippi would soon face and even then were facing persecutions and rejection because of their faith. Paul wrote that letter while he himself was confined to a Roman prison cell under the sentence of death because of his faith. Paul knew about bad times, and Paul knew about chaos. He was also wise enough to not try and peddle empty hope or have a Pollyanna-type religion to people who are too wise to swallow it and that we're too worn and too weary to waste time listening to fairy tales. Instead, in Paul's very dire situation, writing to people who are also experiencing very difficult circumstances, Paul said this, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul was not writing about a sense of peace that tries to deny the realities of our lives, but instead, it's a peace that existed in the midst of painful realities. It's a sense of peace that's not based on logic, but rather on relationship. It's not based on the environment around us, but it's a peace that's based on the friend, Jesus, beside you. A peace that passes understanding, guarding your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Jesus who has been born to us, for us, and with us in our times of Put that passage from Philippians up on the screen one more time. It reminds us, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is here. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Scripture never promises us easy lives or lives with no pain, but it does promise us that those things will not have the last word. And the best way for me to illustrate this that I could think of today is to talk about the color of the candle that we lit this morning. You may notice that today's Pink Sunday is what some people call it. We lit a pink candle, but the traditional colors of Advent is actually purple. Purple is meant to represent royalty, the coming Prince of Peace. Purple also shows repentance, and that we would turn away from what is and we turn towards something that is better for.
And churches used to take this very seriously, and the four weeks before Christmas for centuries were very somber and remorseful days. But the story goes that in the midst of dark winters and more reflective advents of years past, churches thought that by the time they got to the third Sunday, people started to need a glimpse of what was coming. That there was too much pain, too much and somberness in the services. And so what they did is they took the third candle and made it pink. And this is supposed to be a mix between the purple of the other three candles and the white candle that will light on Christmas Eve, the Christ candle. Kind of blending all that purple and adding one white candle in makes get the color pink. Today we call it in Latin, it's called Gaudet Sunday, which is a word we don't use anymore, but what it means is to rejoice. And so we light the pink candle because just as the white mixes with the purple and transforms it, we're waiting for Christ's light to break into our world and bring joy that often feels so elusive to us. We stand here in the real world and we're at this junction where pain and hope meet and we're looking for something better, we're longing for joy, and we're saying, oh come, oh come Emmanuel, come God, and be with us. We have to do something else too. Just by being here today, you proclaim what joy really means. We testify that the joy that comes with Christ sticks around. It's here in the best of times, and it's here in the worst of times, and when things are hard, you can be a joyful person, and you can still cry alongside the world. Because being joyful means that you know it's not supposed to be this way. You believe that it will be better in the future. Now on Christmas Eve, we read the words from John's Gospel that say, The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in other words, Christ is the light of the world, and the worst that the world can do is still never going to be enough to extinguish the light of Christ. And if that light can't be extinguished, then neither can be joy. I was thinking about this in preparation a few weeks ago, and I was had coffee with Beth Sproot. Now, you, many of you know Beth, but if you don't, you need to know that she has fought cancer, and amidst these challenges, she has chosen to live into joy in what is often a very difficult season. Beth has given me permission to share a piece of her story with you today. Like I said, you need to know that cancer has lurked around her her entire adult life. Seven years ago, it became very real when her best friend died, and Beth simultaneously, the same week, was discovering that she was about to begin her own sat at Starbucks a few weeks ago and she rattled off the dates of the start of her cancer journey and meetings with doctors and things like that. She knew the exact dates. She rattled them off. It was clear that this was not the very first time she had told her story. Yet here's what I remember from our time together. Every time she told me about bad news that had entered into her life journey and her story, in the same breath, she would say something like, but I've outlived that cancer, and I'm so glad I got to see my youngest son get to high school. Or she'd tell me a negative experience with a doctor, and then she'd talk about being excited to be a band mom for her boys. 
basically what I want you to know about that is she's known real pain and real darkness. And yet she doesn't let those things have the last word. I was reading between the lines as I listened. These weren't her words, but what I noticed about her was how the light shined through and would shine and that darkness was not going to overcome that slide. And if you were here last Sunday, it was a worship service filled with joy. It can never be a dull service when the back row is yelling, Yo, sheep! Our worship was joyful. It continued into the evening with wassail. And as the visitation pastor here, it's part of my role to meet with people who find themselves struggling, who find themselves in dark and trying days. Now, it's not just that. There are many others in our midst who have let me know that they're struggling and invited me in. And yet the joy of last Sunday was so tangible for me because so many of you know real pain and you know real darkness, and yet you don't let those things have the last word. After all, the candle always does shine brighter in the darkest of nights. So here we are on one of the shortest days of the year. Not the shortest, but one of them. Shortest days of the year, the longest darkness. And we're here together because somewhere inside of you, somewhere inside of us, we believe that it's true. We believe that the light will always overcome the dark, even the miracle that's about to come into the world. And so it's our job as followers of Christ to spread that light, to spread that joy, because joy is very different than a feeling. Joy is a way of living as people who follow the light of Christ into the world. Claiming joy is an act of faith for us. A living, living with joy is an act of revolution in a world that could use a little bit more joy right now. God's gift of joy is there for each one of us to claim, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. And so we watch and we wait this advent. We are witnesses to the light of Christ that it brings. And we live as people who believe in this joy, we believe in the child who brings it, and that it can change the world. And if you do that, we are halfway to Christmas already. I want to invite you to pull out that little card. I'm not going to let you off the hook without taking some time to respond to what you've heard. You have a little card about the size of a business card in your bulletin. If you don't have one, raise your hand. And our ushers have extras. They will walk or pass those around because um, not everyone has a bulletin, so not everyone has a little card. And as you respond to what you've heard, I want to invite the band to come forward. But you have a blank side to that card. Turn it to the blank side, and I'm going to ask that you write someone's name on the blank side. Grab the little pencil in the church pew and put someone's name that you would like to share the message of Christmas with. I'm not necessarily talking full-fledged gospel if that's out of your comfort zone, but you would like to share with them why you're in, why you like Christmas and why it's important to you. Someone that you would like to share the message of Christmas. Go ahead and write that name down. And once I see that most of you have a name on the blank side, I'll give you a few more instructions. Turn the card over, and there are four words sitting there. Gentleness, 
rejoicing, prayer, and peace are written on the other side. So my question is, how can you share the good news of Christmas best with the person that you just named? Is it through rejoicing? Would it be through gentleness? Through prayer, praying for that person? Or maybe you need to have some peaceful words or actions that are directed towards that individual. So I'm going to give you some time for silent prayer. And I want you to circle which word would best. This isn't necessarily about you. Take yourself out of it a little bit. This is about the individual whose name is on the card. What would best serve them? Would it be rejoicing, gentleness, prayer, or peace? Some sort of peaceful action. Let's pray about that silently for a minute. And then I'll close us. Joy isn't your thing this week. Let those around you sing on your behalf. <laughs> 